Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Lena Morgan. And this is Song vs. Song Song. This week, we are doing an 80s classic off. Like, two of the biggest songs of the 80s. You know them, you love them, or maybe you don't. As far as I can tell. But yes, this week, we are doing Culture Club's Karma Chameleon versus Wham's Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. So, Lena... Which do you like, like, more, more? I used to respect you. <laughs> no, you didn't. I didn't. But it's very important, I feel, for the for your listenership to believe that the people around you respect you. Because certainly the people, the people that watch your videos do, I assume, and they should feel that they're right. That once you're, once they go behind the, the shadows, as it were, mm-hmm. that they'll discover that you are exactly as uh, intellectual and worthwhile. I know I, I what I'm saying is I want to lie to them. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I <laughs> that's not true. I love yeah. you. I was just joking about how your hair was askew and it was cute. Anyway, uh, what were we? All right. So these two songs. Let's, let's try this again. We are doing yes. uh-huh. <laughs> Karma Chameleon by Culture Club <laughs> versus Wake Me Up Before You Go Go by Wham! Exclamation point. Wake me up before you go go. You remember that song? Have you ever heard these two songs? Yes, I of course have heard these songs. Uh, you really did it. I always feel that these are the. Uh, I have this deep paranoia whenever when whenever it is that you say, "Here are the two songs," and there are two songs that I don't like. Wow, I honestly did not see that coming. I so here is I my first reaction to you naming these songs was I can't believe. As we approach the end of October, mm-hmm. the month of the spooky doos, the, the oh, who cares? Halloween's stupid. But you know that I watch a lot of horror movies, and so I mean, look, I have no idea what the outside perception was, but internally, in my own mind, I thought, well, surely we'll do a Halloween themed episode. And then you announced these two songs, and I was like, I guess it was very scary being gay in 1984. <laughs> I don't like. I'm sure I don't it know. was. How, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I don't, not that I have a lot of 1984 memories, but I'm sure that, like, I, m- my little four-year-old self was quaking constantly, and my parents didn't know why I was, why I was doing that either, uh, along with everything else that I did. But it's not really the episode that I was expecting. It's the inverse of that, because they're so peppy. They're such happy, happy songs. This is the problem. You see, I don't connect with peppiness. Which is, you know, people that like peppy music, it's, it's not a judgment. I don't, you know, I don't care if you're happy. Um, <laughs> if, if anything, I'm I'm happy for you, but. I'm I don't, happy for you. I'm yeah. happy for you. I'm happy for you. Okay, I'm sorry. Someone That's a wrong culture club song. Yeah. yeah, wrong culture club song. So really. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. This is this is the fundamental problem going in is that they're very peppy. They're really upbeat. And when I was trying to explain it to Raven, what I said was. These songs are really, they're really fucking gay. They're like gay and like the the number one definition of the word, right? The yeah. levity and like carefree gayness that I think of, you know, that sort of thing that is in a, you know, in a backwards way kind of espoused by this new romantic, new Edwardian era that Boy George is such a big part of, right? Like I don't get it. I don't connect to it. I don't, when I hear culture club, I feel like I'm on a cruise ship and I got dragged there by my parents and I'm an all goth black and like 
<laughs> squinting up at the sun, looking at everybody being happy and being like, oh, where are you, Robert Smith? Come and shelter me with your giant black hair. <laughs> that's funny. That's a, that's very funny. Like, Boy George is kind of like an inverse Robert Smith with a pancake makeup. But instead, there's colorful bows in Boy George's hair, not like yes, weird I, overhanging I, bangs. When Again, when I was talking to Raven about it, I, I can't remember if she said it or I did, but we sort of landed on like, isn't it interesting that Boy George is like, what if Cindy Lauper, but I didn't like it? <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you that something? That was it. Like, I don't know how else to explain the the energy, right? Like the the look, because there's there are some very Cindy, Cindy Lauper-esque mm-hmm. qualities to that look. And I love when Cindy Lauper does it. And it's not that I hate when Boy George does it. I just didn't connect to it at all. You know, it's a funny thing. I am, you know, the boring straight one in this particular duo that we so have. So boring. Completely. Don't be on belief. Nobody comes listening to you. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, I forget why. I was like, I'm going to listen to uh, Color by Numbers, which is the album uh, Karma Chameleon is off of. And it's, long. I, it's a long album. No, it's not. It's, they just put the deluxe album on Spotify. That album fucking rules. I, w- I was really shocked. Really? Yeah. Really? No, I fucking loved it. Uh, it's all their, all their best songs on there. They have Church of the Poison Mind. And uh, I'll tumble for you is off of that one, right? No, it's not. No, it's off the, the previous. It is. All right. But it, it does have Miss Be Blind, which was their best song. That is a very good song. I, I will not deny that that is a good color by number song. Yeah, um, I, I really like Black Money. And, um, you know, it was very surprising to me because I've, I've, I've never liked Karma Chameleon much at all. But you're a big fan of Manshake. <laughs> of course. Know. You love that song, Manshake. No, but it. But do you like liked... the song Victims? Victims is a good song. Yeah, no, the, the album's good. The album's very good, which I didn't really expect to because I've... Uh, uh, I thought Wham was going to run away with this one, at least for in my mind. And then when I listened to that album, I was like, actually, it's a little bit closer than I realized. Actually, it's a lot closer than I realized because I didn't realize this before, but I'm a little sick of uh, Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. That is a very chipper song. And I loved Wake Me Up Before You Go Go instantly. Like the first time I heard it, I was like, this is one of the happiest, catchiest, best songs in history. It's gotten a little worn out on me. It's hmm. it's a lot. It's a lot that song and having it be a constant presence in the culture for a, you know 40 years now that's a little too happy for me these days. I well, you know what? It's interesting that you say that. Um I get All right, so let's just let's answer the question then though. Okay. Now that you say that, are you telling me that of this matchup the song you're picking is Karma Chameleon. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I have liked Wake Me Up Before You Go Go too long, too much for it to not come out ahead here, but it's much, much closer than I I thought it was me. It's like a razor's edge between them for me right now. I mean, the thing is that sonically, they're like if that's where we're starting, mm-hmm. right? If we're just okay, so as a soundscape, as just as songs... Mm-hmm. Free of free of any kind of reference, free of their source material, free of the artist, free of all of that. What I'll say about Karma Chameleon is that it's a little more complex, a little bit richer as a song. 
It's got that harmonica kind of going in, like some of the singing in the backgrounds, just a little more happening of the two. Well, they're both songs about being jerked around, kind of, but it's not real in in the Wham song. It's it's a happy song. It was just written to be happy. It was George Michael saying, I'd like to make a song about being happy. He may have well written happy, happy, joy, joy. That day I'll teach 19... your grandmother to suck eggs. <laughs> Versus Karma Chameleon, which is about a real actual thing. It's about real boy George, his real relationship, and him being fucked around with by John Moss, the drummer of Culture Club, and what in some kind of terrible relationship they were in. I don't know. I feel like people miss that. Like, you, unless you've watched the behind the music that used to play over and over again on VH1. But like, that's an easy thing to miss because, you know, it is a bright, chipper, happy little British soul song with a bright, chipper harmonica. But like, if you listen to it, it is something a little deeper going on there. I mean, did you ever notice this? For me, it was just uh, an annoying song I didn't like. I mean, I was, it really, it's so interesting to me because from a origin standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, these songs are so early on in my life. You know, these are approximately based on when they were both kind of really big. 1984 is sort of the year, right? Like one's a little more in 1983. One's kind of technically like hits its peak in 1985, but like 84 Mm -hmm. is sort of the median. I was four years old in that year. So Uh, I don't really have a lot of memories at that time, but I do remember um, both the music videos. And I can tell you that I could not stand that Boy George music. I couldn't stand it. (laughs) I don't couldn't even tell you why. It wasn't like there was any logic behind it. It was just a revulsion. Like it wasn't even him. It was just the whole video. Like it like on, I wasn't the like repulsed by yeah, like I turned around and I was like, this just seems so corny. Right? Like it seems really cheesy and not good. Or that's how it seemed to me even as a child when I was, you know, probably would have not seen it till I was seven or eight years old. And I just, you know. Whatever that, whatever my lizard brain was doing, it like saw the video as a whole and said, "No, this is corny. This sucks. Goodbye. Put on something else." Um, I don't remember really having any strong feelings about the George Michael music video as a child, which is wild because I feel the exact opposite about that now. I have like really strong opinions about that music video now. I don't know. Like I remember always liking "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go." I don't remember when the first time I heard it was. But like, I remember seeing that video and just being boggled by it because I was like, this is the lamest thing I've ever seen. Like, this is the lamest. Like, do you remember the first time you saw a Mentos commercial in the 90s? Yes, of course. Yeah, that's that's the exact feeling I got. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen with your little day glow pink shirts and finger gloves your big giant choose life t-shirts and fucking Andrew Ridley mugging like a fucking idiot. Like, man, has anyone ever hit the jackpot like Andrew Ridley? Well, the thing is that he knew it. Um, I will say (laughs) I, I find him a very relatable figure. I'm like, man, like what must it be like to be surrounded by people who are far more talented than you will ever be? And, and 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 far more like in the pol- the 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 popular cultural zeitgeist <laughs> than you could ever possibly imagine. Uh, what must it be like? 
Yeah, no, I, I kind of get him. I also appreciate that his attitude was, well, I'm not the famous one. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go like just uh, whatever. He like went into like a completely different career, you know, like. Yeah, I have he no just, idea. He just pieced out. He was, he basically said, well, I'm, you know, I'm, it's never going to be me. It's George Michael's show. I'm just, you know, briefly sharing 1% of the spotlight. I'm going to, I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to have the money that yeah. I got. Great. And I'm going to go build my life doing something else. And I, that I completely, um, I think, yes, you, sir, <laughs> you, sir, I completely understand. I understand um, he did make a solo album at some point that no one he, liked, but. He did, but I, so, all right. The reason why I ultimately, of these two songs, go with Wham! over Culture Club mm-hmm. is the music video. Really? Yes. And it's because, uh, you know, whether it's apocryphal or if I'm tuned into what was happening, you know, those Choose Life t-shirts are very important. How so? Because, well, all right. So those were designed by Catherine Hamnett. And the thing to really know about that, the short version is that, you know, the pro-life movement. And how that's like choose life is sort of a thing that people associate with them now. Right. They stole it from this. And it didn't mean that. (laughs) Like that was not the original intent, right? Like choose life was in response to the continuation of the Cold War. You know, this idea of, of, you know, the Reagan-Thatcher era and this, you know, threat of nuclear Armageddon that people were really afraid of. And it was also, yes, about the AIDS crisis and, and all the suicide that was coming out of that and, and the just general depression that people were dealing with for a lot of issues. It was, you know, like as ever, as people were being sort of forced back into a conservative closet in a lot of the Western world, uh, there was this thing that like maybe it would be better to be dead. Um, mm-hmm. with everything that's happening and choose life for George Michael to wear it um, was a big deal mm-hmm. to do it at the same time as he's doing this song. That's so poppy, so peppy, so happy. It sort of feels like it's thumbing its nose at how scary civilization had been at the time. Right. 1984. I mean, it's not just a book by George Orwell, <laughs> right? Like George Orwell got really lucky. 1984 was in fact a very scary fucking year. It's frustrating just to see that the, like the concept of Orwellian nightmare has been so robbed by people don't that don't read or understand anything about what George Orwell was trying to say. It, like that's what the, pulp, the, the popular zeitgeist is using it for now, but it was quite apt at the time. You know, it's, it's very strange that you talk about what a scary year this is like for someone who, you know, was not able to form memories at the time, my memory of 1984, my inherited cultural memory of 1984 is basically wake me up before you go, go. And all the other fucking shiny, happy, poppy 1984 MTV songs, you know, Cindy Lauper and Madonna and Prince and all that. But in a way I have to say, I think that that's good. And, Mm -hmm. and here, and here's why I do think that, George Michael really believed in the idea of pushing forward a certain degree of optimism in dark days to keep people going. Mm -hmm. If you were terrified, well, then here's the thing that's going to get you to tomorrow, right? Him wearing the Choose Life shirt and being Mm -hmm. 
beautiful, stunning, gorgeous George Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this, you know, message was got, you know, like I like members of Queen were wearing this shirt too. And, you know, and, 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 and Catherine Hamnett's shirts in general, I think had gotten a lot of play. I believe there's one about, um, you know, getting rid of nuclear weapons that George Michael, that, uh, excuse, that boy George wore later. I think that that stuff as a memory is good. I think it's important for it to be a part of the collective memory that there were people that were like, it is scary, but here's this to carry you through, right? It doesn't mean you're free of responsibility of dealing with anything else, but it does mean that you still have a right to be a member of the human race and the human race is still allowed to be happy sometimes. That's the thing that I take away from it, looking at it now in 2021. That's what is the allure of it now. Also it's, Zoolander. Yes. I mean, it, you know, post Zoolander, it is so strange to think of wake me up before you go, go as like an edgy or like a counteract you know, or a rebellious song, you know, of optimism being like a, an edgy kind of thing to do versus boy, George, who was so gay was like so very in your face gay that even though culture club was not like a very edgy band boy george was like an extremely challenging human being for you know 1982 jesus fucking christ i mean i yes you're absolutely right i think it's so interesting isn't it that i i want to give him points for that points mm-hmm. like life is about points but <laughs> yeah i want to give credit where credit is due that's true. A lot of Boy George getting a lot of space in the cultural consciousness was that he was presenting in a way that was not typical. There weren't, you know, I mean, I, I dated a lot of girls who looked like that. But no, I mean, even in the 90s when there was even more, I think, conservative backlash in a lot of ways, I think that, you know, I always think that you know people always perceive the '80s as being like the most conservative. The '90s were so conservative. Having been a teenager in those years, I cannot emphasize how conservative that decade was. As far as gayness goes, it seems like the '80s was actually kind of better than the '90s in a lot of ways. And that well, as far as people that were saying, you know, it we're going to be colorfully joyous. Mm-hmm. even as there's this, all of these elements that are making us really scared, right? Um, that are justifiably scary as hell. You know, I, I joked at the front where I, I said like, yes, this is kind of a Halloween era, a Halloween episode in the sense that 1984 was a scary time to be gay, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the riff, but it was, it was fucking terrifying. It was a terrifying time because that was really that era of, you know, Reagan and Thatcher going, who's dying from AIDS? <laughs> Let it ride. You know, like that's scary. So it, it was incredibly, incredibly important for people to be public in different ways. And George Michael and Boy George did it in totally opposite ways. I do think that George Michael, as poppy as he was, was doing it in a way that was subversive because he wasn't out. You know, yes, <laughs> his his partner in Wham was aware. I think in 1983 mm-hmm. and, and, and George Michael also, you know, his sexuality is as is with most people complex, right? Like he, I said that he was, you know, romantically attracted to men, but he was drawn to women because they were, had like m- more style to them, right? Mm-hmm. They were more likely to be stylish. So his eye would be attracted to women, but in his heart, he was attracted to men. 
which is complex and interesting, but suggests the kind of man who was, as George Michael was, uh, you know, an advocate and a fierce defender, but not out until he was forced to come out right. in the late 90s. Whereas Boy George was out immediately um, without even saying the words. It was so unquestionable. Yeah, I, I think I read somewhere that he was saying that he was bisexual, which was, you know, not true. But also even saying that much was kind of a big deal in the in the early 80s. Absolutely. Sure. Early. And I mean, again, yes, just stylistically, you know, it's it's such a again, I wish like, I look at Boy George and I want to be like, oh, wow, I want to be you. I just never felt that way. Mm-hmm. You know, even as somebody that that enjoys being femme some of the time. Right. Like mm-hmm. I just never about his specific style. I just, that, that magnetism, I just never felt it. No, I th- but it was, I mean, yeah, I think it is I, I'll be honest. I think, I think, I think that look is, is stupid looking like my, my opinion as a straight man doesn't really matter that much, but I also, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this one. It's like, I, I don't really think that looks very good, but it's not even about whether it was yeah. good or bad. I just never felt drawn to it. Right. Yeah. I'm not, this is not an attack on boy yeah. George at all um i you know i do the worst i could say about boy george is that i just never felt a strong like socio-political connection to him and i did with george michael i think a little more so but that's you know but that's really down to me stylistically yeah i just i don't think it's a bad look i just think it's not really i just didn't connect to it i just didn't look at it and go like man that's that's how I want to do it. That's the look that I want, you know, the ribbons and the hair and everything. It just wasn't me. The, um, you the know, white, the white makeup and all that. I mean, we've established that, you know, like I, you know, I wanted to be Shirley Manson. That was who I was, you know, like I wanted to be in garbage. I wanted, I wanted to be an angry Scottish woman, like screaming about how I'm only happy when it rains, you know, that's, that's sort of where I'm at, you know, as far as, as far as like, yeah, dramatic fashion goes. I mean, there is all there is a lot of pain in Culture Club's music. Like, True. Do you really want to hurt me? My my feeling about Culture Club is that the songs from those first two albums are really good. I'm not sure about the production or the band themselves. They're they're, they're like a soul band kind of, but it's like kind of like a watery and stiff kind of British kind of R&B. It feels so very British. Like they I, they look like Brits on the fucking riverboat in Mississippi. Like you guys don't really quite get this, do you? That means they're both British bands, you know. Mhm. I think uh Wham was a little better at it than uh Culture Club. Although I've heard Wake Me Up Before You Go Go was like their attempt at a Motown song. I um, I can kind of see it. I've never been able to see it like, you know, they got the like the old old school references like you make the sunshine brighter than Doris Day and do the jitterbug. Like the, I mean, this is all over the place. And I just I just don't know what it's supposed to sound like other than itself. Like to me, this has only ever sounded like one thing. Like I can't think of any other songs that sound like this. It's just it's just wham. I I don't know. I could kind of see it. Here's here's another thing. We've never done a Doris Day movie. Someone should bring a Doris Day <laughs> film to our doorstep. I own a bunch of them um, somewhere in the background uh, Boy, of, my, of my home. I own like seven, I think, Doris Day movies at the moment. I, I actually was reminded of her while we were prepping for this episode. And I thought I should buy the next string of Doris Day movies. There's Boy, so many that are available on Blu-ray. Boy, we want to talk more about historical gayness. In uh, in pop culture, 
watch yeah, some of those certain, fucking doors. I, I mean, I've seen Cal- Pillow Cal- Talk. Cal- have like, you seen Calamity Jane? No, I have not. Calamity Jane is great. It's just sure as two ladies who should be together, but then cowboys show up and ruin everything. Uh, fucking you, cowboy guys. Stop being cowboys. These two cow these two cow gals were getting along just it's cow gals now. Did you watch any of the Rock Hudson ones? Because that's um, I don't, that I don't have is any barely sub. Like I don't think that I have any of them at the moment, but uh they're on the on the next list. Yeah. Of no. uh, of Doris Day films. But anyway, what a great conversation. Yeah. Uh what were we saying? Um yeah, I kind of think yeah, like there's they're peppy songs, but do you get something meaningful out of Karma Chameleon? Honestly, like, do you? That's sort of my big critique, is that I don't go, man. This feels like it's in reaction to something, you know. George, boy, George, as a as a physical presence, mm-hmm. yes. The song, no, not really. I mean, I, I'm like even the name. I, I think Karma Chameleon is probably the worst single off that album. Maybe like the worst of their big hits, honestly. Hmm. I'd, I'd easily take It's a Miracle or I, I'll Tumble for You or Do You Really Want to Hurt Me or all the other ones of their big hits. All of those, I think, are better than Karma Chameleon. I think, huh, I don't even know what a Karma Chameleon is. Like, I, I kind of see what he's going for there. And then it just kind of like, I, I it's like me, with me and NFTs. Like, I always <laughs> feel like I'm about to grasp what that means. And that it floats away. It hides like a chameleon, the meaning of karma chameleon. Yeah, I, uh, I don't, I'm sorry that I don't have any sandwiches handy with mayonnaise on them so that I could answer <laughs> once and for all if mayonnaise is an NFT. Yes, yeah, I, I tweeted this earlier today. So that's that's what he's oh, yeah, referencing. I, feel it was, I believe it was several days ago. And I, I don't still, remember. The, all the days blend together. Yours, yours, is the twi- yours is the Twitter account I still follow. Okay. And now I'm having doubts. Anyway, so... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's really, I'm trying to think what else there is to really talk about. Um, I don't know. Like you said, Wham! was like, I feel like Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go was Wham!'s last goofy song. Because after that, Wham! starts to like, George Michael starts really taking over. And he's like, you know what, Andrew, you're fun. And you you were a goofy band together. But I'm like an adult now. And I don't need my childhood friend around weighing me down. And like Wake Me Up Before You Go Go is his last song that sounds like this. Like if you listen to the first album, there's like the wham rap club Tropicana. <laughs> yeah, that and, album in general is very cute and very short. It's like a 36 minute album. It's really fucking short. And Make It Big was their big uh American hit. That was, yeah, it was a big a, American introduction. That was their big breakthrough for them. But I don't I don't remember any of the other songs on that album really sounding like that, like whatsoever. Like everything she wants doesn't sound like that. What what else is on that one? Is it Careless Whisper on that one? It is. Careless Whisper is the departing track. It is the last track on that album. Yeah. Like that is the big like Careless Whisper is like the end of Wham, basically, because it's credited to Wham featuring George Michael which is my favorite, ty- you know, my favorite credit of all times. Like here, here's a song by us featuring me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One, I mean, there's a thing that occurred, right? Which is that George Michael's partner said, I know when it's time to go and left. And then George Michael went off and had a great solo career. Boy, George ain't shit without culture club. 
Sorry, sorry, it, boy George. I mean, boy George I, like is better as a is better is better as a celebrity than a than a than a musician. I think artist, that's probably really. true. That, that like, sounds like, fair like you know. To me. I mean, like that's like, this is really you know if you're if we're getting into the weeds and say you know I mean boy George I'm sure you're really a regular listener to this podcast and will give a yeah. shit what I have to say but you know I felt as the years went on you got the I got the sense that George Michael had something to say and boy George didn't well. Boy George, like I, I did so, some research on this. Actually, like the uh, the album after uh, Color by Numbers is called Waking Up with a House on Fire. And I'm looking at it for a possible train records because like, good God, like I, I don't know how Boy George, like the biggest celebrity of 1983 became the biggest bust of 1984. But like, but, you know, I watched that behind the music before. Like he was doing mountains of cocaine and heroin and that album fucking sucks. It is terrible. Uh, I'll and, tell you. I'll tell you something else about it. What? I very nearly bought it the other day because there's a used copy at the record store across, <laughs> like, around, around the corner from where I live. I saw it and I was like, "Do I want to own Waking Up with the House on Fire?" <laughs> and then I looked at the back and I was like, "Oh right, this is the one with none of the, the where I don't know a single song." Boy, you should. But I'll tell you what. If you if you end up doing a if you're going to do a train records about it, maybe I'll go and buy it for you. I'll buy you that record. <laughs> okay. Well, like the first. It's thing- a wild cover, that's for sure. Oh yeah, it certainly like grabbed green- my attention. I was like, yuck, <laughs> yuck. What is this? Uh, I'd have to look at the the cover again. But I, all I remember from it is like um, him having like this giant red Rihanna hair. Yep. There is it's way too much good- going on in that cover. Yeah. That's it. I mean, like, it's just not a good album cover. I like. I didn't say it yuck. Like, I was like repulsed. Like, it's ugly, but it's just it's busy and not in a way that is comprehensible or into like it's just not saying anything. It's bad art, right? That's yeah. it. I don't know. Like, there's nothing else. Well, like, I'm sure I'm I'm saying something brand new here. I'm sure no one said bad art about Culture Club. I mean, the house the house on fire is a pretty accurate description of where Culture Club were at in 1984. At the end of 1984, waking up, I'm not sure. Like they were still deep in it. Like it's a very messy band from this point on. That's what like Boy George is like one of the iconic celebrities of the 80s, and I had no idea what he was doing after 1983. I'm just learning about it now, and it's rough. It's really rough. Well, like, I mean, like he'd keep getting legal trouble and stuff, you know, and I, I mean, mean George Michael recent. had his, a, yeah. right. Well, yes, but mm-hmm. I would say, I think it's interesting because George Michael also like, what a, what a, what a fucking drag that, you know, I graduated high school in 1998. So for me, the predominant George Michael memory is mm-hmm. him getting caught because he was, you know, in the public bathrooms, they caught him for it. Right. And like, that's it. Like that dominated his identity for a really long fucking time. Mm-hmm. Certainly for me, it you know, it's like I knew some of his songs, but I would have been 18 and it would have been exactly the right time for, you know, someone to strike me down with, with homophobia and try and get me to internalize it and saying, look at this guy. He's gotten in trouble because he's fucking in the in the toilets, and you know anything could happen, and you know like it just mm-hmm. it felt like this permanent this perfect culmination of all the indoctrination that was happening, and this revelation about George Michael was like an exclamation point on the top of on the on the end of the sentence that was like, "Don't be gay, look what happens," 
You get in all this trouble. Is it going to be, would you want to fuck in the toilets? Is that worth it to you? Maybe you'll get AIDS and die and shit. Fuck you, kid. Like, that's what it really felt like. And it really got under my skin. It freaked me out. Well, you know, George Michael passed in 2016 and we were all very sad on Christmas Day, 2016. Yep. I remember it. I was really pleased that when we, when people went back to look at him, at his life and his legacy, they were like, wow, this man wrote a fucking ton of good songs. Yeah. I feel like that really got lost in this. I mean, like George Michael hated being a celebrity. He fucking hated it. He did. He did not. He absolutely, he absolutely loathed it. He was a very, very private individual. Yeah. Like, like, you know, I, I looked at that, uh, you know, the, the wake me up before you go, go video. I'm like, wow, that's a gay man. That is a very gay man. Like, how could you have possibly kept that a secret for, you know, let that be like a not known thing up to 1998. And it's like, cause he just didn't want to be famous. Like he tried it. He tasted it. He did not like it one bit. And I, I'm sure being closeted was part of that, but. Well, I mean, sure. Yeah. You know, these, these, this is, it's a circle of things feeding each other, but right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he didn't want to be out. He wanted to be an advocate. I think that's, that's the thing that you definitely don't want to lose if you're having that conversation. Mm-hmm. It's not that he wasn't a, an advocate for gay rights. He absolutely was. It's just that he himself did not want to talk about his own sex life because he, he knew the impact it would have, right? Like he wanted yeah. to, he wanted notoriety as an artist. He believed in what he was doing as a musician. Like you said, I think it's, it's great that in the aftermath of his tragic death that mm-hmm. people are looking back and realizing how talented he is, even if for a while it was something that people didn't focus on as much. He is a tremendous, tremendous talent, and I do think that he wanted his work out there, and I think that he believed that it had a worthwhile positive impact or that it could, and I think that as a result he was willing to throw caution to an extent to the wind despite the fact that he wanted everything else to be private. Like, yes, of course. Like I think, you know, as a, as a, being a gay man in that time, why would you want to be out unless you were trying to specifically be contrarian in a very one-to-one ratio? I just don't like George Mark Michael is not that kind of artist. He wants to find subtle ways to sneak it in, which again, you know, I'm, and I can't tell you if that's age or what, I think maybe when I was younger, I would have lent more towards Boy George, but I really appreciate George Michael now that he was able to come at everybody sideways and was so completely a part of the culture that, you know, he would have this impact, even if you didn't know he was having that impact. I think he was. I think the the talk about the legacy of like both artists has put Wake Me Up before you go, go way ahead in the uh in the standings for me. Like this is really, I, I, I guess I'm just, I like boy George a lot more than I did a month ago listening to these albums. But like, I, you talked about like George Michael's, like his enormous lazy and just like his pile of great songs that he wrote. I don't know. I feel like that has just made me feel warmer to wake me up before you go, go, which, you know, like I said, like post Zoolander, it's a little hard to ever listen to that song the same way again. Even though, like, yeah. even though Zoolander I'm, did not exactly like ruin the song or anything, it was no, already I a mean, goofy ass song. I mean, look, here's the thing about it. I mean, did, did Zoolander ruin David Bowie? No, no. David Bowie was even cooler for just showing <laughs> up 
and being like, here he is. Like, let's dance. Like, I mean, well, David uh, Bowie wasn't the butt of the joke in that, in that scene. No. Well, I mean, also, Wham wasn't really the butt of the joke in the other scene. It was just this yeah. joke, this, this ongoing idea of, you know, people that are all about their appearances and nothing else. And, right. you know, I suppose you could have that false sense of reality with George Michael that his appearance was this incredible, like he was shy about the way that he looked and didn't think that he was attractive to other people in the beginning. And I don't know, man, bless him. I respect <laughs> Jesus Christ. If I who, fucking looked like George Michael, yeah, I would know it. But I, yeah, I mean, I look at George Michael and I think there's a man that understands facial hair, the makeup you grow. Like <laughs> he really got it. You know, I no, don't, no I, one's ever I love the like way that, that yeah. And that's the thing. And people would make jokes about it. But I have to tell you, if you're making jokes about that, uh, go fuck yourself. You goddamn <laughs> fool. Like, it looked great. He really, I, I don't know. George Michael really got it. I just, yeah, just a, he was that beautiful, sensitive soul. You know, in SNL terms, he was the little boy that that stared into his first Fisher Price well. Thoughts and deep ass <laughs> thoughts. And that's why I love him. Like, that's exactly what it is that I, feel, that's why I feel such a, a connection to him. If I'm going to feel a connection to either of these individuals, it's definitely George Michael, you know, in the battle of the Georges, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not, it's not even close, you know, and that's not an insult to, to boy George. I just never felt that connection to him. No, I mean, boy George, uh, wasted a lot of goodwill. I feel like you, you yeah, know, just I mean, being again, like he's, he's more mess. of a, he's, he's more of like a reality show guy in my mind, you know? I mean, he, I'm sure he's been on like, Big Brother UK or something. He, he has he's, no, he's, been. he's been on. He's been on a bunch of stuff, and yeah. uh, you know, he's yeah, he's done like Celebrity Apprentice and oh, did he really? Done, yeah, he's uh, done all sorts of things, and like these are all things that just are so far the opposite of things that I'm interested in. You know, it's it makes me think of uh, <laughs> a little bit of LL Cool J, honestly. You know that like he sort of has lost his. I think I do think there are people that see him more of a as a as a public figure than as a as a musical as an figure artist. Or an artist. Yeah, you you see, know, he's, he's he, more of a talking head than anything. I think. Yeah, he seems to have a lost interest in being a, a musician. Which again but, is fine, you know. Yeah. I mean, like he's gonna he's gonna find plenty of people, plenty of work. Yeah, he's gonna. But, yeah, it's nice work if you can get it. So I'm not again. I'm not knocking it and saying that he's you know like I don't like it. So you're not allowed. I just don't. I don't feel any connection to that at all. So that's no. it. I mean, that's really like, it's hard, right? Like we could like, do you want to circle back around to them as songs period before we go into the, the questions? Like, this is really the challenge. I don't know how to separate the songs from the men. I, I feel like it's a little easier to do. I feel like wake me up before you go, go kind of sits a little separately from George Michael and from wham. And it's kind of just like this own ball of itself, not really connected to anything. I feel like, like you can, but like, you can know lots about wake me up before you go, go and not know anything about wham. Like you can know the thing back and forth and know all the words, do it at karaoke and not really have any strong feelings about it versus karma chameleon. I, th- I kind of feel like you have to know more about boy George to have any strong feelings about that one. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Like you really got to be like, do you want to be new Edwardian? <laughs> you want to get new. I don't know. It's so, it's so funny to look and be like, you know, that in that era of like careless whisper and, uh, and and uh, wake me up before you go go go. I'm like, what else was big? Like in your hot 100, it's like Madonna, like a virgin, foreigners. I want to know what love is. You know, like yeah. Shaka Khan. I feel for you, or like 
There's just, there's more like fucking like, this is an everybody wants to rule the world money for nothing era. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's just, this is the other weird thing is that um, the more I thought about it is that there's just was other music that was coming out at this time that I was way more interested in personally. Right. Like yeah. this is a, when doves cry and what, and what, what's love got to do with it era of music, you know, like it's, these songs just don't track for me comparatively. Right. Like they just don't fucking like Lionel Richie's hello fucking Van Halen's jump. Get okay. out of here. Okay. Why would not, I be listening to these people? Okay. We're going to, we're not, we're not going to put hello by Lionel Richie up <laughs> That category is it me you're looking for. No, that is not in the same category. I'm sorry. That's so, that song rules. What are you talking about? That song's great. <laughs> no, you it's say not. whatever you want. That song's the dopest. <laughs> the do, do, dopest. Do, 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 Hello do, by Lionel Richie. What are you talking do, do, about? Who who are you? I'm a person. Th- okay, with, with, th- with great music taste. Anyway, all right. Look, let's let's do our let's do our questions. We've been yes, talking let's for, do for our a minute. Oh yeah, right. so we, do, we, do, now. we okay. do. We ask four questions now. Now four. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the future will bring? That sort of helps all of the rambling turn into hopefully something more coherent. Yeah. Question number one: History. One of these songs is gonna be. It's gonna disappear, lost to the annals of time, completely forgotten by all of humankind. Uh, and one is gonna stick around for the culture, Todd. Which song must remain? Wake me up before you go, go. It's, it's just such a towering presence, even though, even if I don't like it as much as I used to, that, that one has to stay. I can't imagine a world. I don't want to live in a world without wake me up before you go, go. Yeah. It's just, to <laughs> me, it's so inexorably tied to the, what originally was choose life as a concept. I think mm-hmm. that, yeah, it just is this giant beam of sunlight in a really dark period that I do genuinely think got people through. I think the world is worse without it in a way that is profound, not to, not to like be snotty and, 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 and like super serious about it. But I think that's true. Yeah. I mean, we, it does feel weird to be super serious about wake me up before you go, go. I just think if you look at it in the cultural zeitgeist of things, I think that in that moment, I, I think the world is a, is, a, is a scarier place without it. I agree. Okay. All right. Uh, question number two, you can sort of uh, get the the overview. You can sort of witness, you can be a fly on the wall. Soup to nuts, the entire creation, including music video uh, of one and only one of these two songs. Todd, I put it to you, which is the one that you want to really get the, the full behind the music on? You know, well, Culture Club were a messier and more dramatic band. I feel like that might be interesting, but I don't know. I'd like to be there on the set of Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. That's a fun video, a fun, stupid, lame video that I'd like to see getting made. I don't know. I feel like a George Michael's process would be more interesting, I guess. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. What do, what do you? I, I, so here's the thing. I don't, I haven't, ha, having been in bands mm-hmm. and having been in like weird, real complex relationships and stuff, I guess, like I don't look at it and go, man, would love to watch Culture Club be a messy band. Don't care. <laughs> Would love to watch George Michael and his boyfriend not get along so that George Michael could write snide, like kind of snotty lyrics about the, the Carba chameleon coming for a oh, while or whatever, whatever it actually yeah. means. Who cares? But you know, he did write a lot of songs that were in response to their relationship. Do I really like, that makes me think, do I really like, 
nine times out of 10, do I want to be having conversations with my friends about their failed relationships? Mm -hmm. No, <laughs> like I'll do it. But do I want to like, you know what I mean? Like karma chameleon has the air of I've had now I've had the, the 50th conversation about this relationship. That's over. Like <laughs> I don't want to have it again. Go to therapy. Uh, like that is my response to it. Um, and I don't feel that way at all about wake me up before you go, go. That just, yeah, it just seems like there's all this stuff that is happening. That's bubbling up that George Michael is being largely private about. But mm -hmm. again, I just think it's more interesting. I'm more interested in, cause he's, you know, yes, it's not that long after that he's told his, his, his musical partner, like, Hey, I'm gay. That's the, that's the deal. I don't want to be out about it. Um, I think it's bad for us as we try to have, international acclaim but i want you to know and now let's make some more music yeah like that era that sounds interesting to me how they worked through those things how their relationship either changed or remained the same how they were supportive of each other that is more interesting to me that's fair that's a good idea i'd uh, co-sign all of that here we go question number three mm -hmm. two, two of the one of one of two most important questions that we have ever asked mm -hmm. megan the stallion Oh, I, I just realized I already know the answer to this one. Go on. I mean, it's pretty easy, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's she's going to get up to some hot girl shit. So this is a very important question because only one of these songs from here on forward, if you've heard this podcast, you'll know. It's true. Mm -hmm. Scientifically accurate that once we make our decree, one of these songs will never be hot girl shit ever again. <laughs> whereas the other will be considered hot girl shit in perpetuity. Todd, for the sake of of history for the sake of hot girl shit. Which one of these songs is hot girl shit? Which oh, one? Oh, geez. Let me think. Let me think real hard. Let me think, uh, you know, may, may take another hour here. And, you know, Paul edited this hour out where I muse really hard. It's, yes, it's wham. It's wham. It's so obviously wham. Like, yeah, I don't even know that. I mean, it's, sometimes it's a song is, about going out. Like, there you go. Like, I, yeah, I just can't say, it. yeah, I mean, I can see Meg in a, in a choose like, Meg's going to bring the Choose Life t-shirt back. You can do it. I believe in you. Um, bring it back. Where are the other one about um, nuclear disarmament or something? There's still nukes out there. We should get rid of them. Meg, you can make it happen. The only nuke that should be allowed to exist is mm -hmm. Megan the Stallion. Um, that's the only one I'll allow for. But uh, all, right. all right. Yeah, that's a really easy one. Yeah, Karma Chameleon right, is, is sad girl shit at best. It, <laughs> you know, I usually like sad girl shit, but it's not. This yeah. is just not the sad girl shit that I want. Okay. That's fair. Now, the fourth, the most important question, not just in this podcast, but in all recorded human history. William Shatner, actor, thespian, horse rider, equest equestrian, mm -hmm. astronaut. Spaceman. Who has gone to space and returned. I was wrong. I said that I thought he was going up there to die. Incorrect. He just wanted to show up and just be like, what's up, space? Give a star a high five and come back down. Uh, he's going to do he – do, he, he's a musician. He does musical versions. He does his, his spoken word actorly versions of many pop songs. He's going to do a Shatner version of one and only one of these two songs. Todd, for all time, which of these songs must be shat upon? I think there there's some pretty solid lyrics – that a good actor could bite into in Karma Chameleon. You know, you're my lover, not my rival. Every day is like survival. I think there's something there that 
Shatner could do. I think I'm going to lean towards Karma Chameleon. I'll tell you what. I actually think that he should do a duet with George Takei, and this is the bridge that divides, that this is the thing that brings them back after, <laughs> deca- after decades of, of rivalship, of rivalry, that's a word. Um, yeah. This is the song that's going to heal them. They're going to do Karma Chameleon. I'm just kidding. They'll they'll each think that they're doing it to the other. <laughs> and they'll just continue hating each other. One of the greatest things in the world. The ongoing mean-spirited rivalry between William Shatner and George Takei. But I want them to do it as a duet. That's that You couldn't top it. If that's the thing I can get, the two of them thinking they're one-upping each other and they're just mutually making asses <laughs> of each other in a way that just... In, endures them even further to my heart. Yeah, then that's what I want. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think maybe Shatner could do something with the Doris Day line, but I feel like w- the Wham song is just a little bit too mo- too nonsensical. Wake me up before you go go. Like I, <laughs> it's a fair point. Yeah, no, I think I think that's that's the one that's going to go surprisingly to Culture Club. So it's a it's it's three to one. So there's only one thing to do. And let's go to the, the comments. Okay. The, let's, the, the let me, things that actually are a matter. All right. Okay. Rich Key writes, when I was a kid, I saw a stage version of the Wizard of Oz where the jitterbug was the name of a cursed insect that if it bit you would make you dance until you die. So when I heard the opening verse to wake me up before you go, go, and he's singing about the jitterbug getting into his heart and his brain, it made me relieve that the scarecrow and the tin man didn't have those. Good comment, Rich. Thanks, Rich. Yes. Thank you very much. All right, Devin Brewer writes, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go sounds like the national anthem to that Ned Flanders-controlled totalitarian regime from that Halloween episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> See, it is a Halloween episode. There you go, Lena. How dare you. Go ahead. <laughs> Take a drink. <sighs> I will. Uh, Amy Taylor writes, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go It Is. Boy George's singing is like listening to wilting farts. Not untrue. I, I don't, it's again, like that's one of those things, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Where if somebody else was singing like that, I don't know that I, I just, there's something about him that I just never connected with. Yeah. Couldn't even tell you what it is. Yerple writes, wake me up. Sounds like my elementary school teachers performing baby shark. Tell me more good news. <laughs> tell me something else great about this song. <laughs> wake me up. Do, 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 do. Before you go, go, do, do, yeah. do, do, do. Jesse Alora writes, it's weird how you people are always wrong. And then did not clarify what they meant by that. I'm sure I'm sure I'm always wrong. Yeah. But does that mean that I'm right now? And then what does that mean? Championess writes, any vote against Karma Chameleon by a person who hadn't seen the A-Team episode where they accidentally book Culture Club at a country and western bar and team up with Boy George to take down some crooks playing the Robin Place is an uninformed vote. Shit, did you watch this A-Team episode? Because I did not. I watched it. Boy George is a bad actor. The end. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, I've seen him talk about it. He said that basically just like Culture Club, everybody working on the A-Team all hated each other. Well, the... It was a nightmare set. I was like, that's amazing. uh, I did not know... I, I, I refuse to believe that Mr. T and George Pepper did not get along. Believe it. I mean, I, I did s- s- this this comment also linked to a clip of Culture Club performing Karma Chameleon for the A-Team. And like Mr. T's like right there clapping along. 
Man, I I, I like I that you were like suggesting that Mr. T collapsed like a baby. <laughs> People really can't. You really like we're doing that Beck Bennett SNL like the yeah. adult baby clap. That's yeah. That's not nice. I mean, I, now Mr. T does kind of look like he would clap that way, but at the time he was Mr. T for real. All right. Kite writes Karma Chameleon because. For the first few bars, you receive the visceral rush of thinking you're about to hear Chattahoochee by Alan Jackson. Lena, you are not a country person, but I can I, I do can't tell you that that's pretty accurate. Unless you do know Chattahoochee by Alan Jackson. Way down yonder on a Chattahoochee, it gets hotter than a hoochie. You're looking at me blankly. Well, no, I was hoping that I would just if I just stared, you would keep going. <laughs> I forget that you're not one of those that if I just sit quiet, you'll keep embarrassing yourself no i am my baseline is being embarrassed for myself already so anything that increases that will shut me down immediately yes i remember who who it is that that has the problem with not being able to shut up on this podcast it's not you (laughs) okay i think that's it for the comments (laughs) okay well you know it comes down to you who do you think won uh i mean i think it's wake i think it's wake me up for sure um, I do think it's going to be like a 60-40 or maybe a 65-35. So not, you know, solid, but not like a huge win. Yeah, like I yeah. think the Karma Chameleon, despite the fact that we haven't been particularly kind to it, I don't think it's a bad song. Yeah, I think that there's plenty of people that like it. And I don't think, again, I don't listen to it and go, man, I hate this song. I just don't connect with that song. That's I mean, I'd, I mean, I'll be straight with you. I thought it was going to be a slaughter. Here's what the actual votes were. For a total of 325 to 382, that is wow. a 54 46 split. The answer, the winner, is Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. Wow, wow, wow. I am shocked. I am extremely shocked. I, I thought Wham was going to run away. I, I think maybe people are kind of sick of it too. It uh, could, I, be. could be. This could be Zoolander's fault. It could very well be. I, I, I did not see this coming. I'm, I'm still stunned right now. Y'all could have swung this one. You really could have. You, boy, George stands. <laughs> we have so many. Yes. Listening to the podcast. I mean, people could have popped in at any point. We got yeah. to be better at at, uh, at marketing the podcast. <laughs> and get more votes. Yes. Tell your friends to come vote in our dumbass podcast. Yeah. I got I to gotta get on that Twitter and like start spamming people with links. Do people love they that? Tag everyone. People, yeah. People love it. I they will love s- to be spammed with links. Yeah, I will, I will set it up as a bot to uh, just spam everybody. Well, anyway, Enjoy. thank you Enjoy. for listening to our stupid podcast. Hey, Todd, speaking yes? of podcasts, weren't you on another podcast recently? Yes. Oh, by the way, I was on. Uh, I don't usually plug other podcasts I'm on, but I like this one. We were on. I was on, excuse me, the Who Cares About the Rock Hall of Fame podcast where I talk about uh, they invited me to talk about who is of the current Rock Hall of Fame class really needs to be in there versus who couldn't care less. And uh, that was fun. And I enjoyed it a lot. Check that out. You can follow them at Rock Hall Pod on Twitter. That's at Rock Hall Pod on Twitter. Great. Did you just it's cut a good out episode? I, I listened to it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed hearing what people had to say about L Cool J. All right. And and others. Uh, hey, and as far as this podcast is concerned, you know what you can do. You could be a, a patron of this podcast. You really it's true. Could. Yeah. It would only cost you a dollar a month. And a dollar a month means that uh, 
you get a bonus episode every month. Even if you, you just gave a dollar for the first time, you can go back and get every single episode that we've done, every single bonus episode so far. Many of those, I would say at least 5% of them are good. So that's worth at least a dollar. And if you want to give Perhaps more, you can- Perhaps even 10%. Yeah, you could, yeah, who could say? Uh, you could even give more money if you wanted to. And if you did that, then you could have control over what the next bonus episodes will be. As of now, it's seeming like the next two months are going to be interesting. <laughs> get get a little get a little a little Dewey Cox, and get a little dear Hanson, dear Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, yeah, I would say, boy, lock in right now. There's a very good chance that the November bonus episode is going to go out early on in the month, so that we don't have to think about it anymore. Um, but yeah, that's it. It's uh it's cheap to join. Helps us out tremendously. And if you can't give any money, then uh, just go on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast and give us five stars, give us a thumbs up. Tell your friends that you like the podcast and that they'll like it too. Push them around. Make them listen. They'll be glad you did. They'll thank you personally. Yep. <laughs> That's how that works. All right. All right. You ready for the next one? Yes. All right. We're doing the 80s again. We're doing the, the 80s Brits again. We are doing Blue Monday by New Order. Versus Enjoy the Silence by Depeche Mode. Oh, okay. <laughs> so like kind of like equal opposite 80s, if you will. Like Yeah. The inverse 80s, I guess. Yes, it's the other, it's the it's the two genders. <laughs> Here they are. Uh all right. Well that'll be good. That'll be uh that'll be a much more of a music snob episode, I feel. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Wake me up before you go go. We're go we're gone gone. Uh Bye. I'll work on it.